Okay, well, good morning. Uh, as Dan said, my name is Hillary Lind, and uh, my wife and I are missionaries with Youth with a Mission. Um, and so if you have not seen my picture in the post office or met me before, now you know who I am. Um, but I want, I want to address the question that is on everybody's mind this morning. And that question is, what does Christmas, especially, especially Christmas, Christmas in July, what does Christmas in July have to do with the Sperry and Hutchison Corporation? Ah, see, I heard that. Yes, yes, truly this man was sent by God because he knew exactly what I was thinking. He knew what was on my mind. Or maybe you were asking someone where the stones were or something. I don't know. But that is the question, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But how many of us, and I'm sure probably most of us, have heard the expression, Jesus is the reason it's like you guys have been trained for that or something. We've all heard that before, right? Jesus is the reason for the season, and he is. But why? Why is he the reason for the season? Is it just because his birthday happened to fall at this time, or, or, or is there something more? Is it more than just the fact? Because there's a lot of people that have been born on or around the, you know, that time, and so what, what is it about Jesus? Why is he the reason for the season? And that's where Sperry and Hutchison comes in. Yes, and you're still scratching your heads thinking, what on earth? Sperry and Hutchison Corporation was started in 1896, just a couple of years ago, just about, about the time, you know, when, when Mark was growing up. Um, <laughs> And they've been, they were around for quite a while, um, really became popular in the 30s, and really kind of hit their stride in the 60s and 70s. And for, for those of you who are like me that get to daily wear this crown of glory, because that's what it, Proverbs, Proverbs says it, Proverbs 16:31, a gray head is a crown of glory. So for those of you like me that got a, a gray head, Wear it with dignity and honor. You have earned it. You've paid it for it. You, you got that not easily. It took effort and striving and adventures and success and failure and a whole bunch of life experience to get that crown of glory. And the nice thing is it doesn't really slip off too easily. You know, it's just pretty much stuck there. Um, now, some of y'all have covered up your crown of glory. We know, who, you know, you haven't. Yeah, you know, you know who you are. That's okay. You've still got the crown of glory hidden under there somewhere. So don't be ashamed of it. So those of, those of us who are old enough to remember those days, we, we may remember them as a, a company that put out something called S&H Green Stamps. Yeah, you remember that, don't you? Now, that's what it's all about. See, S&H green stamps is something that you could, you go to the store and certain stores would carry these. And when you buy things, then they would give you a certain amount of green stamps based on how much you bought. And then you would come home, unpack the groceries, and then your mom would get you busy licking these things until the, your tongue stuck to the roof of your mouth. And you could taste nothing but glue for the next 24 hours. And you'd, you'd paste them in the book. 
And when you got enough of these books, you could take these into the store or wherever, and you could redeem these. And you could buy a bike or a dress or a hat or a dishwasher or, you know, whatever it was that you wanted to get. You could buy a guitar, anything. Uh, so that's kind of what they had going on. And the whole process for doing that was called the process of redemption. And then back there, there are instructions for the process for redemption. And so this idea of, of redeeming something or redeeming things is, is a, a theme that, that runs throughout the Bible. And uh, S&H green stamps are no longer a thing, but we still have those in practice, right? You, you go to an airline, you got frequent flyer miles, right? You fly so, you know, X number of miles, and then, hey, you get an upgrade, or you get a free flight, or maybe they'll actually give you a cup of coffee or something out of whatever it is that, you know, a little perk that they give you. Um, you go to stores, and you get, some people maybe call it a loyalty card or a membership card or whatever they call it, but you go there often enough, and you, you, you build up some points, and when you get enough, you can get a free meal or a free whatever. You can cash those in. You can redeem those points for something that you'd like. Uh, last October, November, I was at Sportsman's Warehouse, and I wanted to get a travel thermos. And I really like Stanley because they're really good stuff. So I was looking at a Stanley thermos and finally found the one I wanted. Went in there, was going to pay for it, and they said, well, would you like to use your points? And I'd completely forgotten that I even had any points, and I, well, yeah, sure, if I've got enough. And they said, well, yeah, you got enough plus about $10 extra. I'm like, oh, cool. So I got my, my thermos for free because I was able to redeem those points. And I thought, this is a cool gig, you know? This is kind of nice. And so you get a lot of companies that will do that. You know, restaurants will do that. I mean, on and on and on. And so you, you don't have to go out and, and lick a whole book full of green stamps to do it. Now they've got the little fob thing that you put on your keychain, right? The little barcode or whatever they've got. But the principle is the same. You, you, you buy enough stuff, you get enough points, and at a certain time you can redeem those points for something that you like. So I want to, to dig in and kind of unpack this, this whole idea of, of redemption, you know, what that is, what it looks like, and, and really kind of get our, try to get our heads around that. Um, the definition for redemption, there's a, a few different ideas. Um, one of them is the action of gaining or regaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. Okay, I'll say that again. It's the, the action of gaining or regaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. Now, if you've ever played Monopoly, you've done this probably. You want to put your hotels and, and or houses and hotels on, on boardwalk and park place so you can make lots of money. And so you take some of your other properties and you mortgage them, right? And you turn them over and the bank gives you money and then you got money to put houses and hotels on boardwalk and park place. That way, the people that are coming right around the corner, they can land either just before you or just after you or right in the middle and not pay you anything. And so your hotels and houses sit there, and you go, oh, my, come on. That's how, that's how it works. The thing is, is that if they land on your other property, you don't get anything because they're turned over, they're mortgaged. And if you want to be able to make money on those other properties, you've got to redeem those. You have to buy those back out of mortgage. 
And so you have to pay the money to the bank and then flip them over. And now, if people land on them, they can pay your rent. That's the idea of redemption, of mortgaging, of buying back or paying for something to get that back. Um, it's just, that's how it works. Another uh, definition says a thing or something that saves someone from error or evil. Okay, so that, that idea of, of something that saves and prevents something from someone from error or evil. The action of buying one's freedom. Now, there's been a lot of high-profile, maybe some low-profile uh, kidnappings over the course of history where someone famous or rich is kidnapped and they hold them for ransom. Charles Lindbergh's son was held for ransom. You know, big, big, you know, crime of the century, they called it. But they do that. They will take something that belongs to you, and they say, if you want this back, you've got to pay for it. You've got to pay me X million dollars or whatever it is. And that's that same idea of buying back something that is held captive. Nowadays, with our computer stuff, we have something called ransomware. Similar idea. People will hack into your computer, They'll lock up your stuff, and the information that you have right there, you don't have access to it. And if you want to get that back, if you want to get access to that, you've got to pay. You've got to pay that ransom. You've got to redeem that stuff back to yourself. You've got to pay to get it back. That's the idea of, of a ransom or redemption, and it runs throughout the Bible. One of my, uh, one of my favorite uh, Christmas carols says, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel who mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear. I think one of the things I like about the song other than just the song itself is that the message of that really sums up the whole you know, really the deep meaning of Christmas, of who Jesus is, why he came, what he came here to do. It was to ransom captive Israel. And we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit more and kind of unpack that. But I just, I love that song and that particular verse because it talks about God's heart for Israel. And that's his heart for us as well. That's God's heart for each and every one of you to ransom us back to him the whole idea of redemption is mentioned approximately 122 times in Scripture, Old Testament to New Testament. It's a theme that runs throughout Scripture uh, pretty consistently to deliver, to ransom, to redeem, to buy back or to buy. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in there, but I want to I look at some of the verses and maybe help us get our, get our mind wrapped around that and understand kind of what that looks like in God's economy. Uh, Exodus 6, and this is God speaking to Moses just before he was delivering them out of Egypt. And God said, Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you, deliver you from their bondage, and I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. See, God was going to buy them back. He was going to take them out of Egypt, out from underneath that yoke of bondage and slavery and suffering and all the things that they were going through. He was going to bring them out of that. And he was going to take them from one country or one place physically 
to another. He was going to take them from out from under this authority and bring them under his authority. He was giving them a new place, a new status, new life, new everything. He was redeeming them and buying them back for himself. Now, a little bit later, he begins to explain this and explain some more about what he wants his people to do in light of this. In Exodus 13, starting in verse 11, it says, Now when the Lord brings you to the land of the Canaanite, as he swore to you and to your fathers, and gives it to you, you shall devote to the Lord the first offspring of every womb and the first offspring of every beast that you own. The males belong to the Lord. But every first offspring of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. But if you do not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And it shall be when, you, when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this? Then you shall say to him, With a powerful hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. And it came about when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord the males, the first offspring of every womb, but the firstborn of my sons I redeem. See, everything because when God was delivering them out of Egypt to give that sign, remember Pharaoh was just being a stubborn, anyway, he, yeah, he was not being nice. And God said, okay, fine. All these other plagues and all this other stuff didn't work. Try this one. And there was the death of the firstborn throughout the land. That's what God did to ransom, to buy back, to, to redeem his people out of, uh, out of Egypt. And God didn't want them to forget that. And so he established this, I call it a policy, if you will, he established this, this thing where every firstborn of all your flocks and herds was sacrificed to the Lord. But the sons were redeemed. They were bought. They were ransomed. They were prevented. They were saved from being sacrificed. They were redeemed for the Lord. And this was to remind them and help them to remember what God had done for them in the land of Egypt. See, God wanted them to not forget. Because it's important to not forget what God has done for us. It's important to remember. And it's important to remember the why of, of why we do things. You've, you've probably heard the story of, of the mom who's cooking a nice Easter dinner and she's getting ready to put the roast in the, in the pan there, in the casserole pan, and she cuts the ends off it and puts it in and her daughter says, well, Mom, why do you cut the ends off? She says, well, I don't know. That's just the way my mom did it. So Grandma was there, and so she went up and asked Grandma, said, Grandma, why, why do we cut the ends off the roast? Grandma said, well, I don't know. That's just the way my mom did it. So great-grandma was sitting over there, and they went up and asked great-grandma, said, great-grandma, why, why do we cut the ends off the roast? And she said, well, when we were... You know, newly married, we didn't have a, enough money for a big pan, and we all had this little short one, so we had to cut the ends off the roast to make it fit in the pan. <laughs> Why? You know, we, we just do it because that's the way we've done it before, right? You know, seven most deadly words. <laughs> you know, we've never done it that way before. 
But it's important that we know the why of certain things because it helps us remember what God has done for us, the extent that he went to to redeem us, to buy us back. Now, the book of Psalms is, is full of this redemption theme. There's all sorts of, of stuff in there. We're just going to look at a couple. Uh, I want to start in Psalm 19. It says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I like that. This is, that's kind of a description of who God is. And, and I really like the way they, they do that. Now, in our, in our Western world, if someone asks you, you know, how, do you, how would you describe God? We would tend to say something like, well, God is faithful, God is just, God is all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's omnipotent, you know, he's all, all of these things. And that's, in our Western culture, that's kind of the way we process that, and that's the way we describe God. In the Near East, it was a very different thing. They'd say, well, describe God. And they say, well, God is my rock and my fortress. God is my strong tower. The Lord is my shepherd. God is my redeemer. There's a, a different mindset on how they describe who and what God is. And I like it because it's, it's much more of a personal thing. God is my rock. He is my shepherd. He is my redeemer. And it explains who God is and what he's capable of and all of these things about God. But it makes it really, really personal. And I think that's a good thing. God's got to be personal. Um, he's, yeah, he's just got to be personal. And it's a good thing. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that the, your youth is renewed like the eagle. This is kind of a description of, of some of the things that God does, and it all comes out of who he is. So they're kind of related. They go, they go hand in hand, but God is our redeemer. He redeems us from the pit. He buys us back from that. And we've all been redeemed. At least I hope we have. But we have a redeemer. Even this good Catholic boy had a redeemer. Because, see, I, I grew up Catholic, and so the idea and the concept of God and of Jesus and the Holy Spirit was never in question in my mind. God was and is who he is. Jesus is his son. He came and he died for our sins. He lived that perfect life and it was a sin, sinless sacrifice for us. The Holy Spirit lives in us, I mean, fills us, indwells us. All of that stuff was never a question. It was just always part of my life. And because of that, I, I actually had a, a fairly good life growing up. Um, I've never been incarcerated. I've never been addicted to drugs. 
I've never killed anybody, never done anything really, really bad. And you know what that means? It means I am in need of a redeemer, someone who will redeem my life from the pit because I knew a lot about God, but I did not know him. I did not trust him. I was too busy having fun, out partying. Hey, you know, God's just over there. It's like, yeah, you're convenient. Yeah, you know, if I need you, I'll call you or whatever. Just knowing about God is not enough. Satan and his demons know about God. And, and I would suspect in some ways on a much more intimate level than we can imagine. And yet, what does that accomplish for them? Nothing. Knowing about God is not enough. We need to know him. We need to trust him. We need to say, yes, I accept what you have done, and I will accept that price of redemption that you paid for my soul to redeem me out of the pit. Because no matter how good of a life we think we have and how awesome we are, we need a redeemer because everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, we need a redeemer. Psalm 49, starting in verse 7, says, No man can by any means redeem his brother or give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of the soul is costly, and he should cease trying forever. Y'all did not come cheap. There was a price to be paid, and it was steep. And I can't pay that. Nobody else can pay it for another. There was only one who could pay that price, and that was Jesus. The perfect, sinless, holy sacrifice. That is what redeemed you from the pit. That is what saved you. And nobody else can do that. Nobody else can make that, that payment for you. And you can't make it for anybody else. And we can't do penance. We can't do good works, either for ourselves or for others. There's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to ransom ourselves or, or anybody else. We just don't have the proper currency. And if we did, we, did, we don't have enough of it. You guys are expensive, and God said you're worth it. I will pay that price to redeem you from the pit. Isaiah 43.1 says, But now, thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When I read that, I thought, you know what? The person that pays the price for you has got some right to ownership. Right? They paid the price. Guess what? <laughs> we are his. And it's not a negative thing. It's a wonderful thing because God wants the very best for us in every aspect and every area of our lives he has redeemed us out of slavery to sin and wickedness and a whole bunch of other junk into a new life that is good and right and holy and awesome. 
That's what you've been saved to. That's what you've been redeemed to. That's why you're worth it. God wants you to have that kind of life because you're his. We are his. Uh, Titus chapter 2 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. God wants us. He wants you. He needs you. That's kind of an interesting thought. The all-powerful, omnipotent God who in some ways it doesn't need anything, but his creation needs you. That's why he has redeemed you from the pit, saved you from, from sin and all that nasty stuff so that you can be a blessing and a benefit to his creation. And so he redeemed you from that and brought you to that place of trusting him. It's a good, good thing. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. We all have been bought with a price because we couldn't pay it. Somebody else paid that for us. And so we have been bought. We've been purchased with a price. Uh, Colossians 1, starting in verse 13, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Just like with Israel, when God was taking them from the land of Egypt into the land of Canaan where he promised them. He was taking them from one place to another, one authority to another, one life to another. In the same way, we also have been transferred from one kingdom to another. And just spoiler alert, this one's a lot better. Okay, it's a lot better. God knows it. And I hope you all know it too, because I don't want to go back there. It's not a good place to be. And I can't imagine living a life that did not have God, not just in it, but at the center of it. When I was in high school in my, in my early 20s, God was in my life, technically, but he wasn't the center. He wasn't the core of my life. He is now, and I'm telling you, it's much, much better. Not always easier. It's got its challenges. It's got its struggles. And that's okay. But I would much, much rather have God right here with me than sitting over on a shelf somewhere. And that, that is why he has redeemed me. That's why he has redeemed all of us, to live that kind of life with him, for him, and for his kingdom.
It's, it's a really, really cool thing. First uh, Peter says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. That is the currency for the price that was paid for you. That's the price that was paid, and it is exceedingly expensive. I want to read it uh, from the New Living Translation because it's uh, got a neat way of saying it. No, we don't have it on the screen, but I'll just read it to you. It says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. See, God had a plan. God had a contingency in place to redeem each one of you from the pit. And I think in one of our songs, uh, our worship songs that we sang this morning, to reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost to redeem the whole creation, you did not despise the cross. That is why Jesus came, to reconcile us back to the Father and to redeem us and to redeem all mankind back to him. And it did not come cheaply. It cost him his life. He suffered. He bled. He died. He rose again. And that is the price that was paid for you. That is the ransom that was paid to redeem you from the pit. And that is the reason for the season. That's why he came. That's why he's here. Second Corinthians 5, starting in uh, verse 18, says, Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the word, world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. There's nothing greater than being right with your maker and accepting that ransom that he paid to save us from sin, death, hell, and the grave. And out of all the crap that was there before, he wants us to be his possession. When we were in Ukraine, there was a a young man whose his wife worked with us uh, in a lot of our schools as a translator, and, and her husband was eh, kind of one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom and kind of straddling the fence like some of us do sometimes. Uh, and it was okay for a while until one day the foot that was in the world got caught in a snare, got caught in some shady business dealings, and he was facing prison, like six to 10 years in prison. 
And here it came, he had like about two weeks or something like that before he either had to pay, the, pay a fine, a significant fine. Maybe by our standards, it wasn't huge, huge, but for them, it might as well have been a couple million dollars. There was no way they could pay it. And he was stuck. And here came prison, just day by day, getting closer to he and his family, and he didn't know what he was gonna do. He was stuck. He was trapped. And uh, God made a way for Michelle and I to pay that for him. And boy, you've never seen such a change of life in your life. This guy knew what was coming. He knew where he was headed. He knew what it was going to be like, and he knew that it was not going to be good. And he knew there was nothing he could do about it. And suddenly, the price was paid. That ransom was paid, and he was redeemed from prison. He was saved from that. Yeah, amazing. It's neat. Every year, this couple, for the last three years, I think now, they, they find a way, and they go to Africa and work in a, in a couple of orphanages. And this guy cannot stop loving and serving people. I mean, it, it, it was just an absolute radical change in his life because he knew, and he knows, he's been redeemed. He has been bought and saved from something that... <laughs> It was not going to be good. It was not going to be good at all. Ukrainian prisons are, are I'm not speaking from experience, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, they're not, not nearly as nice as our American prisons. And prison in general, you don't want to be there. It's not a good place to be. And he was headed there. He was headed there. And God said, oh yeah, watch this and he was redeemed and saved. And it was the neatest thing to see the change in this young man, because he knows, he knows what he was saved from. Do we know what we've been saved from? I think a lot of us do. And if you don't, and if you've not reached that place of acknowledging that you need a redeemer, that you need to trust in God, I would urge you, I would beg you, don't let this day go by without putting your trust in Him who has paid for your soul, has shed His blood and suffered and died for you so that you could be living right, walking right, walking whole and be reconciled to your Maker. That is the reason why Jesus came. That's why he's the reason for the reason for the season. Is to redeem every one of us. Father, I thank you so much that you were willing to pay the price to save us from the pit, to save our souls from death and destruction. Even though the cost was so great, you are willing to do that for us. And Father, I pray that for those of us who have been redeemed and have accepted that gift, that you would help us to be those ambassadors, to share with others the need and the, just the glory of living a life that's redeemed and saved and set right with our Maker. 
And for those that, that don't know you and have not trusted you, Father, I pray that this would be the day of their salvation. And they would come to that place of accepting the price that you paid for their soul. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.